Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 1, Episode 4, starring the zany Ruth Buzzy. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Yay! Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here as we are every week to discuss another episode of the original Muppet Show. And this week we are covering, well, it's quite a quite a little grab bag of, of uh, good things and bad things and <laughs> plenty to talk about. Uh, Jade, why don't you give us some of the uh, broadcast history for this one? Sure. So... This is the fourth episode on Disney Plus and again, following last week, we are still on even footing here because this was the fourth episode shown in the original broadcast run and that was shown on the 4th of October 1976 and it was also the fourth episode made and it's also now episode four on Disney Plus. So all the fours. Yay. Wow. Cohesion. Cohesion. And as usual, <laughs> it was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. So very, very familiar, stable ground here, which is lovely. Well, stable? <laughs> <laughs> well, to start with, I mean, to start with. <laughs> of course. And Emma, who the heck is our guest this week? <laughs> well, um, I definitely had to have a look on Google to find out a bit about uh, Ruth Buzzy. Um, but basically, she's kind of, she's a comedian. She's been in a lot of variety shows, um, a lot of sitcoms. She's a voice of the Pound Puppies. I mean, who doesn't remember that? <laughs> I don't remember the Pound Puppies, Emma. What are the Pound Puppies? <laughs> You used to be able to adopt them and, like, you get a little certificate. Jade, you must remember the Pound Puppies. Yeah, I remember the Pound Puppies and there were loads of adverts yeah. for them as well. I'm... What, but were they toys or did they have a yeah, show? Yeah, they had both. They were to- I, I don't know whether they oh. were toys first and then they became a TV show or whether it was the other way around, but they were definitely toys. It's a toygetic, <laughs> toygetic programming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was quite excited when I found that out. And then apparently she was Screech's mum on Saved by the Bell. I vaguely recognised her, so that must be where yeah, I recognised her from. I, because I kind yeah. of thought she reminded me a bit of a mix of Frenchie and Jan from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good shot i thought her voice was quite jamie lee curtis-esque in the talk spot with kermit there was something a little bit jamie lee curtis about her voice but yeah i don't i mean i don't know her no, at all i did so no idea at all quite a revelation um i know they gave a shout out to uh laughing on the show which is obviously yes. like a very uh prolific variety show so i just completely forgot the word uh on american television but i mean i've never seen an episode of that and um never seen this woman before in my life and uh what impression did you guys come away with of ruth buzzy i thought i mean i thought she was so up for it and so kind of committed and into it and really interactive with the muppets when she was performing with them 
And I was amazed at how much she used her entire body Mm. in her performances. Several times we had her literally like going over the top of things, throwing herself around, really, really putting everything into it. Mm. And yeah, I, I... Overall, I I enjoyed her performance on The Muppet Show. I felt like she was a good guest host for The Muppets because she matched them in terms of their sort of style and tone and anarchy. And yeah, I mean, I'm the same as you, Lewis. I've never seen Laughing. I've never seen her on it. I, I can't speak to what her kind of star persona is outside of what we've seen today. But yeah, I thought I thought she was a good a good match for The Muppet Show. Mm. What about you, Emma? I kind of thought she had quite a like slapstick element to her and she also mm-hmm. reminded me of like Miranda <laughs> Miranda Hart and her whole sitcom of yeah, where I she kind of that. like falls over falls into a like grave like <laughs> slips off a bar like <laughs> I don't know all those crazy zany things that she does it kind of echoed that for me as well I think that's the kind of performer mm. that Ruth is and I think like you say Jade she really like match the um the muppets energy um like in all of the skits and songs and bits that she did throughout the show she gave me a bit of a carol mm-hmm. burnett vibe yeah which and i've sort of i've just done a little just jump onto her wikipedia and apparently they they sort of worked around each other at various different points over the sort of 50s to 70s like and i suppose being sort of women one of the few women in comedy at that time that's kind of not surprising but i certainly got that kind of energy from her maybe a bit of a Gilda Radner vibe as well I don't know if that's also because you know like they're sort of again zany Ember the the word zany is exactly right actually sort of that kind of high energy sort of brunette woman with like very angular features but yeah I I felt like she was lumbered with some quite bizarre material but maybe we can get into that as we go on so uh well we might as well dive in I mean the first thing we really get after the introduction is a sort of proper appearance from Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. first kind of full number as a complete band am i correct yeah i think so i i think it's the first time we've seen them all together although can i just point out that kermit needs to check himself with his introduction because he says hit it boys and janice is very much there which i was like absolutely kermit mm -mm -mm. no 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 you've got (laughs) to recognize that janice is there and she is rocking so yeah sorry just had to 
had to get that in there. There's not enough female representation in the Muppets at the best of times, but to erase the fact that Janice is part of the Electric Mayhem is very rude. I'm not impressed. I agree. I mean, we are recording this the day after International Women's we Day and, in, and the banner of women falls to Muppets as well. So I think that's incredibly important that we check Kermit's uh, misogyny at the stage door. Um, it's kind of the perfect encapsulation of Dr. T for the Electric Mayhem. They're doing the sort of number, they all look a bit cool, and then you've just got Animal getting carried away and picking up the tempo, and it, it it's a perfect encapsulation of their entire shtick, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, and I think it was really, really well done. Like, there was one part where the camera panned around. The, <gasps> I know exactly um, what you're going to say. The band, I know exactly and Dr. Teeth looked at the camera and followed yeah, it, and it, it was, was so amazing. cool, like... I literally for a minute kind of forgot that he was a Muppet. Like it was like an actual performer in a rock band, you know, playing up to the camera. And it was just, oh my God, the the craft of it was perfect. I loved he it. He did a little eyebrow raise. I he swear. Did. Or like his eyes mm-hmm. widened somehow being like, yeah. like being like, oh, there goes Animal. He's mucking it up again. I was like, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> How yeah. is he doing this? I, I definitely find like when we see them, like out of all of them sometimes they do seem the most like lifelike and like you say jade like it's like a wow like i their movements and their reactions and their like interplay with each other it just it works mm-hmm. really well and it just you really get into it and you just kind of really believe it and like you say you almost feel like it's a real band and like you say especially that bit with yeah. the camera like that was so clever really cool it's the illusion of the instruments being played yes so sorry that you never question it i was sort of thinking it as i was watching this skit i was like i never questioned that animal is playing those Mm -hmm. drums and i never questioned that dr teeth is playing the piano like i'm just like yeah It, it, it never looks out of place i mean when you think about like when we talked about the Jim neighbors episode when i called out Jim neighbors terrible fake fiddle playing and then you compare that to you've got some puppets playing these instruments they're not actually playing them but i never doubt for a moment that they are it's so great and that's before it even adds on the level of it's also hilarious and not to jump ahead but i really felt that with rolf's performance this week as well Mm. with the um never made an onion cry he was so into it and he was having so much fun singing about mashed potatoes and peeled bananas and (laughs) we'll get into it later but yeah we'll get to it we'll get he was loving it and it yeah it's always the same with the electric mayhem like they're just a band who are rocking out and yeah. And mm. then you add in Animal going crazy and upping the tempo every 10, 20 seconds. Like, yeah, it was a really, really fun start to the episode and amazing to see the Electric Mayhem in their, in their full glory. Because, yeah, as you said, we haven't really seen that yet. So it was nice. And I felt it led into quite a nice kind of cohesive, albeit mad, backstage runner for mm-hmm. this episode. Like the fact that they come off and they're still kind of a bit peeved that animal has kind of messed up the number and then we go straight into you know it pans with them and then we follow kermit to scooter coming in with his big box thing and look i know i'm saying it almost every episode now but scooter is he's a dick (laughs) i'm sorry like scooter's a dick you're gonna have to put a a parental warning on this one i'm so mad at him when kermit was like you can why can you bring this great big box and here he's like because my uncle owns the theatre. I was like, you deserve to be punched in the goddamn <laughs> face, Scooter. Like, chuck him out, Kermit. He's not worth it. I think you have to forgive him, though, because he bought Mechanical Kermit in, Lewis, which was like a 
forerunner of Constantine. And I yes. <laughs> like I was just having so much fun with Mechanical Kermit. And also led to, again, sorry, I keep jumping forward, but led to our first proper Kermit Piggy interaction of the show, I think, so far. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I I mean I'm I'm fed up of the the punchline being about Scooter's uncle and that just being an acceptable way for things to sort of happen. But I can forgive Scooter for bringing in mechanical Kermit because it led to a, what I again what I think is one of the better runners of the series thus far it gave so much to the episode. Like I it was because <laughs> sometimes when we cut backstage it really feels a bit desperate sometimes but well and i think it just quite often can really bring the energy down Mm. whatever's going on on stage is not matched in any way by whatever's happening with fozzy or scooter or you know i don't know whatever's happening but like this one again i think it gave a sort of even if a lot of the sketches didn't necessarily have a coherence to them because the runner was good there was a coherence to the episode Mm. and i think it was tonally quite similar the whole way through yes. with relatively high energy the whole yeah, way through definitely. as well the puppeteering of the clockwork kermit was mm. really interesting and i mean and alarming <laughs> like it, and I, <laughs> it certainly fell into it again the sort of like yeah like uncanny valley vibe of like oh this is kermit but it's it's also really not kermit and yeah i mean i couldn't stop thinking about muppets most wanted the entire time yeah, like definitely. all he was missing was like a black hoodie and a mole to like yes <laughs> and, it, and it would have just been caught and obviously the russian uh general eastern european <laughs> accent we'll say russian. <laughs> let's say russian <laughs> what are they gonna do <laughs> i'm never going to russia i don't know please don't come after us <laughs> 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 you'll come back to the podcast next week and there'll be, be three empty squares <laughs> we'll have been overtaken by hackers I was gonna, no i was gonna say it's gonna be lustenstein and it'll just be me but my hair will be parted a different way and i'll have a mole on my cheek like, let's be <laughs> let's begin muppet podcast <laughs> hello and welcome to muppet sensational <laughs> i mean if it means tina fey is coming to join us then i am fine quite frankly yeah oh, thanks <laughs> please you're not gonna like spring me from like the podcast gulag. yes fine i'll come and get you from the podcast gula but only if tina fey's gula. There. sorry i'm not going to siberia so <laughs> <laughs> but emma you could wear one of those big fluffy dr Zhivago hats oh there is a plus side <laughs> you would look good in that i would wouldn't i <laughs> Uh, I tell you what didn't look good this week was the minute they cut to that chandelier and we had to go into a goddamn ballroom sketch. Oh, yikes. <sighs> I mean, it was nice to see Rolf in there. That was good. I mean, when he came and his little joke uh, was, you know, fun. I'm trying to remember what his She said, I've out. got a bone to pick with you. And he said he'd already buried it. That was it. <laughs> I was like, cool, fair enough. And it was nice to see him. But yeah, just these weird off the rack Muppets just like bumping around. Like even my favourite ginger haired uh, chorus girl was in there and even she didn't uh, really raise an impression with me this week. The bit I thought was odd with the um, puns this week, they returned to a few of them. You know, normally they're sort of ba-boom and then you just move on. But the <laughs> I was whole say, one... it didn't just, it doesn't have a tsh 
because there's no, no punchline. It's just no a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing with the scary blue Muppet, who we've now seen quite a few times and who had quite a presence in this episode, yeah. the whole thing with him and his three feet, and it kept coming back to it, and he kept adding on to it, and the eventual punchline of him falling over because he'd lifted his three feet up, fine. But you could have got to that so much quicker. I mean, again, it was just unnecessarily long, I felt like. I agree. Mm -hmm. But I did enjoy the button that did come at the end of the ballroom sketch where we cut to Statler and Waldorf. And he was like, I'm going to go and stretch my legs. And then Animal pops. I was like, I'll do it for you. And just, it was like, ah, like Animal can just sort of like burst out of nowhere. And again, because we'd sort of got to hang out with him earlier on in the episode, it was just nice that they, they, they just had a bit more of a cohesion to who's popping up here and where. Like, it was all just really nicely well seeded. Yeah, I agree. Thinking about the fact that it's the fourth episode, it does feel like they're settling into it mm. a bit more. And that there is there is that kind of thought of how do we make it feel like one episode of a TV show rather than just a ton of sketches that have been... Yeah. That just happen to be next to one another chronologically. Because I think we've had episodes that have felt maybe almost more like a clip show with mm -hmm. the backstage just being like random, almost filler material. But yeah, even though maybe I this wasn't my favourite episode, the, the backstage cohesion and the building of the world felt really nice. Like, for example, we get to see Kermit's dressing room for the first time. Yeah, is that the first time we've seen the dressing room? I think so. Emma, can you remember? Um, I yeah, because I don't think we've ever actually gone inside a dressing room. We always see the no. row of them and people come out of them and then down the stairs. But I don't, I think that is true. Mm. I think that's the first time we've been inside. So yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And it leads us to a very, you know, classic bit of uh, comedy, vaudeville, Marx Brothers business, which is the, like the mirror sketch. Well, it's not even a sketch because I suppose it's off stage. So the mirror bit yeah. where you you have... You know, your protagonist uh, go and stand in front of, although <laughs> in the context of it, it's like, so they're just standing in front of an empty frame that looks like a mirror where another person then pops out <laughs> from the side who looks identical to them and they have to parrot their movement so that they think it's not a mirror. No, it is a mirror. God, <laughs> hang on. My mind is blown. Hang on. <laughs> it's, a, it's essentially like it's it's from Duck Soup. So it is a... Yes, thank yeah. you. Oh, I couldn't remember which uh, Marx Brothers thing it was from. But it, yeah, it's a bit of classic comedy business that has popped up in everything from... God, I mean, almost every Tina Fey property has parodied it at some point, usually with some self-obsessed character looking into a mirror. But The Simpsons has done it. Countless cartoons have done it. It's it's a good bit. I think The Vicar of Dibley's done it oh, as well, haven't they? Yes. With um, Darcy Bustle. <laughs> when she was a ballerina i think it was like a talent show and ballerina and they did the mirror and she was the other <laughs> side of the mirror yeah you're right i thought they did an amazing mm. job on this though not only were the bits that were obviously meant to be mirrored perfectly genuinely mirrored perfectly by the two puppeteers but also the bits that weren't mirrored perfectly when mechanical kermit was really playing up or kind of giving a wink to the camera or whatever it might have been that he was doing they were also executed yeah. really, really well. And there was a fluidity to their movement, especially when they did move beyond the confines of the, the mirror frame that I just, it was just really lovely to watch and really genuinely quite funny for, for a skit that, again, I mean, I'm sure in the 70s, it wasn't exactly a new skit, but certainly now, as you've both been saying, has been yeah. 
done to death, but still fun when the Muppets do it. Yeah, and when you think that, I mean, I, I was under the impression that it was Jim Henson doing both of them. Like the way that it was quite so fluid, I, I assumed that it was he had Kermit on one arm and he had the mechanical one on the other because but actually even to do that so the little moments where clockwork kermit would turn out mm-hmm. it, it, when i think about like the mental capacity necessary to make that work i feel like i'm afraid i can't do this i'm sorry yeah no i mean it must have taken a lot of mental gymnastics to to no, do I, that i thought it was you know what logistically very good mm. It's kind of like voguing. I appreciate watching it, but I don't know how it's done. (laughs) I just just watch it in awe and just go, wow, look at the focus that must take to do that. (laughs) I can't do that because I'm not talented. (laughs) But I might try it when drunk, (laughs) either puppeteering or voguing. I have a feeling that voguing drunk might be slightly easier than Jim Henson performing two permits (laughs) at the same time with one not quite mirroring the other. But I might be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. You see the the gals at the ball when they when they start, you know, throwing down those shapes. It's uh, it's quite something. You can have an eye out. <laughs> but I suppose I could do that with a puppet as well. <laughs> Did you see actually in the, in the um? Yes, I know exactly what you're yeah, going to say. Yeah, in the interrogation sketch, one of the Muppets hit again. It was the little blue one hit Ruth Buzzy in the eye, and she sort of like was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> It's like, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> We've nearly got another Sandy Duncan on our hands there. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was a low blow. <laughs> Clearly a joke. I don't think. I don't think a bit of foam is going to take out someone's eye. But uh, I might, again, I might be wrong. <laughs> it was a very sharp bit on that blue muppet that hit her in the eyes. But it was the fact that she just for a few seconds had to keep yeah. talking, but was like squinting. With that quite long monologue that she had to gamely get through, but we will, we will get, we will there. get there. And then we move on to Sam the Eagle introducing Wayne and Wanda. <laughs> it's so strange that Sam the Eagle is now what just Wayne and Wanda's personal like lead-in person. Well, he was actually in this episode more than he's been in all the other yeah. ones so far. But yeah, I mean, essentially, he's just Wayne and Wanda's what hype man agent i don't know at this point yes that's exactly what i was gonna say jade he's their hype man (laughs) is he their pastor as well maybe they're religious people i loved in his intro this week though he said they're sure to get it right which i thought was hysterical it's like even he's losing his rag with the fact that they can't seem to execute any of these songs correctly they might be his moral compass, but he's not He's not digging them. <laughs> I was slightly disappointed that... I, w- I wonder, what did each of you think the thing that was going to go wrong in the Wayne and Wanda sketch was going to be? I honestly was really... I was wondering whether it was going to be like another storm or something because they were in the boat. Mm. I didn't think they were just going to sink <laughs> just out of nowhere gently lower into the floor <laughs> yeah and also i felt it went on for a long time until they started to sink as well i was like something's gonna happen something big is gonna happen because they're like drawing this out <laughs> quite a lot and then like you say they slowly sink to the floor <laughs> yeah i saw i thought that wanda was gonna get smacked in the face yeah. with the oar 
Like, that's what I was kind of hoping was going to happen. And she would be trying to, like, gamely get on with the song as uh, Wayne, like, would be continually... Yeah, she could have gone flying out of the boat. That might have been quite funny. If she'd have gone sailing yes. through the air, like, that would have been pretty amusing. Even the sinking, I sort of... It was just such a, like, gentle, like, well, you know... Two puppeteers slowly lower a boat. <laughs> I thought if it could have like, you know, raised up like the Titanic yes. and then like start to slowly sink down with Wanda like holding desperately onto the edge of the railing or something. <laughs> it was nice to see a bit more of them, but it, it didn't. Uh, you're right, Emma. The build up wasn't worth the payoff. And also all of the other ones so far, the lyrics have basically dictated what's happened to them. I didn't hear a lyric about the boat sinking. Like, they were still just going on about rowing and mm. being on the boat. And was there a lyric about spooning or did I imagine yes, that? Yes, there was. And I, yeah. was, I was like, I didn't know spooning was a word that no. sort of went Unless back Unless it meant something different. Far. Maybe it meant something different. Oh, maybe is, is spooning at one another like looking like, you know, like doe-eyed Lovingly. at somebody. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Because mm. I read it was like, are they talking about cuddling? <laughs> like... <laughs> I didn't know that went back to 1976, but yeah. The song's from 1912. So surely spooning didn't mean spooning. Yeah, I think it it is to to look at somebody with kind of like devotion. That is kind of clicking Mm -hmm. something in my head. God knows where that's from. Should we do the really boring thing and Google it? Let's Google it. We could, because the only thing that I could... When I tried to think, oh, what other songs do I know that mentioned spooning? And all I could think was the fairy godmother song from Shrek 2, where she's like, you can spoon on the moon with the prince to this tune. I was like, well, that's 2004. So that's not going back far enough to work out if if it means anything else. So the three definitions on Google are... To literally spoon, as in to put something in someone's mouth. Cool. I don't think they were talking about that. (laughs) To, I've never heard of this one, to hit a ball up into the air with a soft or weak stroke. Sounds like a cricket thing, maybe. I've no idea. But we're not sporty people, so that's fine. And then... We're doing a podcast about the Muppets. Kel's impressed that we aren't (laughs) sporty people. (laughs) I don't think we could be any further from competitive sport if we tried. (laughs) Just no, just um, no to the sport. No. And then the last one is, it says dated and informal is behaving in an amorous way. And then it says kiss and cuddle. So maybe it always was sort of a little bit of hanky-panky. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I love the word hanky-panky. Hanky-panky, like great word. Like the word argle-bargle. <laughs> I think it got to a little argle-bargle on the road. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Argle bargle. Uh, speaking of nonsense, this news flash was uh, complete argle bargle. I didn't even really get it. Did no. I miss a joke here? No, I, I watched it twice and then I looked up and I still <laughs> did not understand the joke. So I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I think it must have just been absurdism, right? Because it's like the Atlantic Ocean yeah. has been stolen. They think it's in Newark. And, I, <laughs> and, and 500 fish... I think it's just, yeah. That bit I sort of all got. It was the bit at the end where they said that the ransom note said they wanted two Christmases and cuddles with mum or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> who is who is holding the Atlantic Ocean hostage? What's happening? 
I'm wondering again whether it's a case of the uh, the 1970s marijuana. It's sort of just being like, this is crazy, man. Like It's like the sort of thing that Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem are probably saying in their tour bus after they came off and did their first number. It's like, hey, man, we wrote this joke with a news flash. We think it's really happening. And I'm just like thinking what they might be doing in the bus. I think that is exactly what they were doing in the bus because yeah. nobody in their sane mind would have written that joke. Yeah. I just keep willing the news flash to work. Like I just keep waiting. But, you know, until then I'll just keep looking at his soft, felty nose and thinking about how ergonomically <laughs> pleasing it is. And just like <laughs> Oh, but we won't go into that again. At least it was very short. And then we moved into <laughs> What a compliment. Yes, well, I'm full of them. Full of them. <laughs> we moved into Kermit introducing Ruth, which was when he mentioned about laughing. And he also mentioned that she's a lot of fun mm. at parties, which made me really wonder what <laughs> Earth Kermit and Ruth Buzzy have been up to at parties. And does Piggy know? Because <laughs> she would not be a happy pig, I don't think. She would not be happy. You're just too good to be true. Can take my eyes. number was crazy i don't really like i did enjoy it but there was so much going on like right from the beginning mainly with ruth buzzy's <laughs> insane hat like it was sort of like a little Do you know what uh, it reminded me of it reminded me of moira rose like a precursor <laughs> to her like crazy outfits like the whole like yeah. pope hat going on and <laughs> it was a pope hat that's what i yeah. wrote down i wrote down nice pope hat yeah i literally wrote moira rose pope hat <laughs> It wasn't the most flattering hat. It didn't help that it had a very similar shape to her jawline and chin. So it just sort of Lewis. made her face look like an... <laughs> what? Look, she has a very defined chin and jaw. You I'm not... Keep, keep digging. Keep I digging. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a very defined face. Like, you know, Catherine Hepburn had enormous cheekbones. And, That's a little bit know, different than Bethany saying she's Franklin got a big ass a chin. Jaw. That's the only person I can think of. <laughs> But she did have a large chin, and it was just unfortunate that they both sort of paralleled each other oh slightly, and it gave her a very like almond-shaped face. <laughs> like it just like <laughs> I don't mean like she's a very attractive woman. Like obviously, because it's 1970s, they wouldn't have an unattractive woman on television. What are you talking about? But that threw me. And then just the whole setup, like this weird kind of like once upon a mattress slash like medieval times restaurant vibe. And it was manic. I did enjoy it. It felt a little sloppy in places. But then at the same time, I was so impressed by her sheer sort of energy the whole time. What did you guys think? I loved it. I think it was probably my highlight of the episode, to be honest. Like, I just felt like her and Sweetums both absolutely threw themselves at it. It seemed like nothing was off I was going to say nothing was off the table, except both of them were literally off the table many times. But, you know, any, any they were up for anything. Anything was game. 
the way that she was essentially doing gymnastics around the room and then mm. holding on to Sweetums for dear life and just throwing herself about. I hadn't particularly thought about Miranda earlier, Emma, but you saying that, like, it is. But I think it's sort of taken to another level because it's not just her being clumsy or what a goof I am. It's her... I don't know, like, it is almost like if there'd been a springboard off stage and she'd run off and then, like, sprung back over and done a somersault, like, that wouldn't have been out of place, would it? Like, it was so... Yeah, no, I I can see that, actually. It's true, yeah. Such high energy. It's like, um, it's like that Carol Channing number in Thoroughly Modern Millie, uh, (laughs) Do It Again, where she just gets thrown around by all those gymnasts for, like, four minutes. (laughs) She's like, do it again. (laughs) And you're like, what is happening? And I just, I don't know, like the the song, such a classic song. And I felt like it was obviously playing on that kind of like Beauty and the Beast mm. vibe of her being with like a monster, but I guess a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome being completely and utterly besotted with him, but then taking it too far. Oh, that makes more sense to me now. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Did you not? No, I just... I was like, is it a medieval... You just thought it was chaos. I was chaos at a medieval banquet. I guess, like, that sort of... Like, kind of what, like... Maybe, like, what throwing out a time... themed restaurant Yeah, like, like throw wrong. out time at medieval times restaurant would be like. You've got, just, like, these poor waitresses a la Ruth Buzzy trying to, like, charm these drunk bearded men out of the establishment to the point where they have to smash a chair over him. Like, it was just... It, yeah, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. It also finished with what is becoming a recurring petite woman and monster Muppet situation, which was when she blew on him and he fell over in the same way that Sandy Duncan had blown on the monster Muppets with her whiskey breath and they'd fallen over. Yes. And Rita Moreno had smashed a chair over Muppet Man during the French tango. Nothing more hilarious than a tiny woman (laughs) smashing an adult-sized Muppet (laughs) with some furniture. Like... Hey, I enjoyed it. What could be more hilarious? And actually, we had another callback because Sweetums at the end says, my kind of woman, which is what Animal said at the end of Fever too. I know. Are we just saying this was a rehash? I don't think it was, but yeah. I suppose we've got some some pertinent themes running through these sketches already. The, the Muppets like feisty women who destroy the set. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, do you, you, you're not looking too amused. Was this Was this not up your alley? You. Emma? Oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 Emma looked like she'd received like traumatic news and it just like froze. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't hear you say Emma Jade. I don't know. It's sort of like (laughs) cut out. So I was like, Emma, Emma, did you like, what did you think of this? Basically, was what I was saying. You didn't look very (laughs) impressed. No, I just she I just got zoned out. <laughs> She's just like <laughs> yeah, I did because I didn't think you were talking to me, so I just like I oh thanks, I Emma. You're not completely like, yeah, part great. of the conversation. Good to know. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. No, go on. So what? What did so you what think? Did you think? No, I thought it was good. I think it was kind of like quite zany and crazy, but it was comedic and. I mean, Ruth definitely threw herself into it and yeah. Sweetums gave as good as um, he could as well. And yeah, I just think it was funny because she matched the energy. And like you said, we had the moment with the chair. There seems to be a running <laughs> theme. <laughs> 
But no, I think it was good. It was nice to see someone like really interact and really kind of get into the fun and mm. kind of have a good time. Wheatums looks really nice to cuddle. Definitely. Yeah. It does. It looks... I think something you said earlier, Lewis, about whether or not she was given good material to work with, mm. I kind of felt like with this being our introduction to her anyway, because we obviously didn't know her, I felt like they'd written this for her. And I felt like that actually with all of her sketches, that they'd, as a comedienne, mm. they'd worked with her and gone, what is it that you can do? What are your skills? What are your, you know, let's play to your strengths, essentially. Because, you know, you couldn't have given this piece to probably any of the other women that we've seen before. I mean, imagine Juliet Prowse took this. <laughs> oh my like, you know, I mean, it's just not going to no, happen. Or the, or the senior Connie Stevens. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine? She would better, Connie Stevens. She would better wear the hairpiece. In an ambulance. <laughs> I was going to say her hairpiece would get caught in animal. Not in animal. Her hairpiece would get caught in sweetums. You wouldn't be able to tell where it's tied. Where it's <laughs> No, you're, Jade, you are right. It's kind of like an SNL thing, isn't it? Where they sort of write mm. the material to their strengths. And obviously they have this and then they have her doing yoga later on. So clearly she's very athletic and very good with yeah. her body and physical comedy. But I just felt like maybe it hadn't been just rehearsed to a level where it felt sharp it just felt a bit messy in places there would be moments where they got there yeah there's a few times and maybe that's just the consequence of trying to do a physical comedy number with somebody in a very large full muppet suit do you know what i mean there's only so much vision they have and yeah. so much yeah. control they have within the puppet i also not not to be not to put it down too much but it was also the 70s i mean there's an argument that would say that now with the Disney money that the Muppets have, they would obviously be able to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse and get it absolutely spot on. You know, they made this show in a couple of days. Yes, absolutely. There's also only so much time that they would have had to work on each sketch. So I think, again, in that kind of SNL vein, there's a reason that the live ones don't look like the digital shorts. Yes. No, you're quite right. Yeah. No, and actually, I suppose considering it that way, it was pretty good considering. Yeah, I, I, I think she definitely like she threw herself into it because you could see like every move she made, like she had intent. Yes. And I think like if it was some like you say, if it was someone like Juliet Prowse, it just wouldn't. Well, it wouldn't have worked, and they wouldn't have pitched it to her anyway. But mm. I think you definitely needed someone who was able to do it and kind of like. Like you said, she was all over the table. She was here. She was there. She was like hitting a chair over Sweetum's head. You know, I think you definitely needed someone of her caliber to be able to pull it off. Mm. And she lip synced the whole time. She did. She did. Yeah, she did good. Yeah, she kept the mouth going. That's very impressive because literally I I cannot do that because I I can't. I what, literally lip-sync? quietly sing a song. <laughs> I don't. I can't lip sync. <laughs> what? 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 Lewis, you can't just mouth the words. Lewis, at least she's participating in the conversation currently. Don't question it, okay? Just let her... <laughs> yeah. She'll just zone out again. <laughs> it's late night. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> Emma, it's 9pm. <laughs> what are you talking about? God's sake. Next time you're not allowed to record the podcast in loungewear. It's, it's like... <laughs> I think that's what it is. I'm too relaxed. I'm just like... We're going to get home... you a corset, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I want the home... St- there's no natural daylight. I need the daylight. <laughs> what are you, a houseplant? For God's sake. Just... <laughs> Stop drinking that oval tea, Emma. For God's sake, it's not helping. <laughs> The uh, the the section that came next can I can I presume that the Rolf song was the UK spot? That was the UK spot. Yes. What a waste! 
What a waste. I know, the, I know. That was the best UK... No, I am going to say it. It's the best UK spot that we've had so far. And Definitely. The song was hilarious. I kind of want to sing that now. Like all the, all the little bits in it, like the I made an artichoke. I've whipped cream. I even made a melon ball. Like, ugh, the whole thing, like the vamp leading up to it. He said the non sequitur with the onion at the beginning of that sort of preamble. And I was like, oh God, that's not going to have anything to do with anything. And then it actually did. The whole song <laughs> sort of built off of that little preamble, which usually it doesn't when we have these things. It was fantastic. I really liked it. I absolutely loved it. It was really good. I was going to say, I like made the notes as well, like melon ball and artichoke. And it was just really clever. And like you said, I think it was really sad that it was the UK spot. Like it was a really good song and really kind of cleverly played out. Mm. And as I said earlier, I was so impressed mm. with Rolf's performance. Yeah. You know, the actual, it wasn't just that the song was fun, because it was, and the wordplay was really ingenious, but actually Jim Henson's performance of Rolf was killer. I think that's like, that's my favourite Rolf. I know Rolf was my MVMP last week because he was amazing as Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and he was. But I think this this was the Rolf that we know and love. Yeah. Singing his song, mm. getting super into it, just being a really thoroughly entertaining dog. Yay! You know what I miss with Rolf? There's been no more Dr. Bob. Yeah, I mean, where's Dr. Bob what's gone? What's been happening? Well, I suppose if, what's happened to Dr. Bob? Well, if we think about it, technically in the chronology, I think Rita Moreno's episode would be the next one we would watch if we're watching it in order, mm, which I think true. is when Dr. Bob is introduced. So maybe from this point onwards, when we go to our next episode, we can expect more Veterinary's Hospital because I think that's when it was introduced. So he's coming back, Emma. He's coming back. Yay! <laughs> I also just want to mention really quickly, and I know we'll talk about it probably later, but I cannot believe this was the UK spot over you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd because that was so forgettable and terrible to me. You're both looking at me with blank faces. The... Oh my God, because I had to look at my yeah. notes being like, what the hell was that? And I was like, oh, it was the jug band. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, was that the, the name of the... The, oh, the bumpkins. Yeah, no, the jug was, band was The, the Hick Muppets. Yeah, it's the Hick oh, Muppets. No. And that, I mean, you know, if you're going to make something the... UK spot why the hell not make that the UK spot for god's yeah, sake yeah that was a real I mean we were I mean will we get to that what's there to it say was it terrible. was boring and stupid absolutely that's that's fine the best bit was when he said at the end you can be happy if this is the end of the song and I said I am thank you very much <laughs> 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 I liked what one of the hicks had like a like there was a blue one on like the far right hand side that sort of said something like <laughs> like I can't even remember it was glazed over so much but I was like oh he's fun but all I could think about was like God why does that muppet just have one tooth I know. <laughs> like, the teeth the killer they should have no teeth never <laughs> teeth even a singular tooth should not be there it's just alarming well that's fine we've talked about that now so now we can just focus on the rest of the episode. So the bit that came after this was the talk spot with Ruth and Kermit, which, Lewis, you're... Well, the material was just like, just talking about fat and talking about like, I'm very healthy and and just, I don't know, it was, it was very straight. It's like they built it kind of around her, again, athleticism, like she does Mm -hmm. yoga, she can throw herself around in a sketch. So now we're going to talk about the fact that she doesn't eat fat and look, she's not fat. And the first half 
just didn't really land with me particularly well. I get it was kind of like a bit and she was meant to have misunderstood, but even Kermit didn't look particularly impressed, particularly when he got slapped on the back and his legs went, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Albeit adorably. Now we're talking about it, I'm thinking about the fact that the Joel Grey talk spot last week was very weak Mm. as well. And I wonder if this is actually one of the segments that, because we've already seen some episodes that they actually made later. Ah, yes. See that? Yeah, that makes sense Maybe they really worked on them. Because you think how great, like, the Rita Moreno one is. The Sandy Duncan one. True. Sandy Duncan one's fun. Connie Stevens was pretty fun. Oh, Connie Stevens was filth. Absolute filth. (laughs) 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 This and the Joel Grey one are meh. Very meh, I think. In in comparison to those ones, anyway. It did have a joke that I do always love. It's basically a variation on the joke of uh, the Mrs. Doubtfire joke of like that. He was quite fond of the drink. Oh, he was an alcoholic. No, he was hit by a Guinness truck. (laughs) (laughs) It's just. (laughs) (laughs) I just. It was. uh, Yeah, the Kermit's version of that with the the dairy products, which I, I, I. Yeah, the cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one bit of it that I really liked as well was Ruth and Kermit kind of pushed their noses together and nuzzled noses and that was adorable and I want to do that with Kermit so that was just a <laughs> sorry that's it that's all I have to say about that is that on your bucket list Jade <laughs> that would definitely be on my bucket list if I saw Kermit that nose is getting smushed <laughs> that's all I have to say about that <laughs> see how come when you say that it's adorable but when I talk about wanting to touch the newsreader's nose it's suddenly like a creep because you talked about it for about five <laughs> minutes <laughs> Yeah, Jade was cute. It was a cute anecdote. It was a cute moment. I was, Yours was just creepy. I, I was hungover. I was needy. I just wanted. I was just. I was. I watched that episode in a stupor. That's probably why. Also, you were not that the listeners can see it, but you were literally like stroking the screen <laughs> okay. as you were saying it. I mean, it was pretty creepy. I was holding them in front of me to give the impression of the shape of the nose. It's fine. I understand, sure. Lewis, but it didn't make it any less creepy. Okay. <laughs> tell you what wasn't creepy, but was fun. The moment where Kermit called out the laugh track. Yes. Which is a thing that we haven't really acknowledged, actually, in all the episodes we've covered so far. Is this sort of this underscoring that they give, which is obviously an entirely fictional laugh track. Like, but it's canned laughter. It's so good. Do you guys not think it's such a good laugh yeah, track? Like, I compared do, to the laugh to be... tracks we get now, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's impeccable. I think it is anyway. It sounds natural. Yeah, I... A lot of the time. Oh, sorry, Jade. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've never thought of it as a laugh track, to be honest. And like you say, some of the American sitcoms you get nowadays is so awful. It's just so, like, dialed in. But, yeah, no, I, I really like that gag, actually. It was really funny. And actually, it did make me think, oh, yeah, they are y- using um a laughter track. But you don't think about it. You just kind of get involved and just... You laugh at the same time that they're laughing. It's not like a forced laugh. It, it's a very clever, actually. I wonder if it's something to do with, and this is just a theory I'm just like chucking out there, because the show is from the 70s and it, sh- it looks like a show from the 70s, as in like the camera quality, just everything about it. The, the laugh track doesn't seem quite so out of place because we're used to hearing a yeah. laugh track with older shows and it and it doesn't feel so out of place whereas when we watch something now from like the 2010s onwards when you'd see a show with a laugh track because it's filmed in hd and everything looks more sharp and modern then it feels kind of archaic because we're used to a laugh track in a context of 
older program, so maybe it doesn't stick out here because it's an older program. I think there is definitely something to that, but I also think it's, I am not musical enough, but there's something about the quality of the laughing. You know, there's variation in it. It's not the same thing every time. Mm. There's moments where you do actually hear individual people going really crazy over a single joke or something. And then that's not the case for the next gag. You know, that might just be more of a general sort of tittering or whatever. Whereas I feel now with laugh tracks, they sort of, as with so much in our modern world, (laughs) they go over the top constantly. And obviously it's at times that are just not even funny, but they just add it because... Mm. It's like, oh, it's meant to be a comedy. We need to make people think that other people think it's funny. And I mean, I don't always laugh at the same time as the laugh track. And I think some of that is obviously like the 1970s humour, which doesn't quite translate today. But I can at least understand why the laughs are in the place that they are on The Muppet Show. The first couple of episodes, I was like, I was like, oh, does it have an audience? And then I was like, no, of course it doesn't have an audience. <laughs> like that, they, they, so I think they've done a really, really good job with the laughing. And yeah, I would watch stuff with a laugh track today if it had that good a laugh track, if it didn't sound like the one that the BBC and CBS and whoever else use, because mm. the ones now are just terrible. Mm. One person that could always do with a laugh track is Fozzie Bear. Oh, poor Fozzie Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed his interplay with Staller and Waldorf again because it didn't good, feel like yeah. it felt like more character building. It felt like it was more interplay building and playing the jokes were coming off of their relationship rather than just like trying to bat a bad pun between each other or something. It it, it just landed much better for me because it was working on their relationship. I, I really liked it. I just felt sad for him still. Like, I agree with you. It is character building and you obviously get more of that interplay with Statler and Waldorf. But all of the laughs were coming from Statler and Waldorf being mean to him. None of the laughs were coming from Fozzie's jokes at all or from him getting, like, getting a good comeback in to Statler and Waldorf. Just doesn't still feel quite Fozzie to me. It's, there's something... Does it feel too cruel? <laughs> yeah, I think so, a little bit. I know, like, I mean, in previous episodes, we've talked about Kermit not feeling quite like Kermit. I just feel like the treatment of Fozzie at the moment is not as one of the main Muppets that we know and love. Mm. He's the butt of the joke. He shouldn't be the butt of the joke, I don't think. It worked for me this week. I can't quantify why, but I think maybe just because the material was so strong, like the fact that they were, mm-hmm. you know, Statler and Waldorf were saying, like, this is your best act ever. You're the best straight man in the business. We've never got so many more laughs. Like it's, uh, I liked how it all worked together because mm-hmm. it, the jokes were building off of their antagonism towards each other. It's it's solid because it trusts you understand who both these sets of characters are. It's not them just throwing around sort of tired jokes. Yeah. It just half baked jokes. Yeah, I just liked it. I really did. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I think Statler and Mordoff are very funny in it. But I just mm. feel bad for Fozzie. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I would say give him a cuddle, but as I said last week, he still looks a little grimy. Like his I don't know if you saw like the back of his hands this week. And I was like, ooh, they look like greasy. Like he needs to be like put on a hot wash. <laughs> like it just, it just needs to be put in the washing machine on like a hot wash and a condition. And then like left to air dry and just like fluff up a bit again. It just looks a bit matted. I just have visions of someone with those big, you know, those big like 
poofy things that they used to like put talcum powder on people with <laughs> and then that made me think of in wizard of oz when they all get doled up at the emerald city oh. and i've just got visions now of fozzy going through the beauty parlor yes. in the emerald city fluff fluff here fluff fluff there and a couple of exactly. fuzzy bears that's how we love the day away in the muppet old show of Oz. thank you improv <laughs> You're welcome, Emma. We're doing a turn on the podcast. Are you going to do an accent in a minute? And Emma has zoned out again. (laughs) She knows what happens when you start singing. (laughs) She's known it for the last 20 years of my life. How many many was that, Lewis? Indeterminate age. Still castable as a teenager. Yeah, I was going to say, you're 16 to what is it? 29 age range. (laughs) It's not 16, Emma. But get some more Vaseline on the lens and get the cameras that they shoot um, Grace and Frankie with and I can play a a teenager. (laughs) Now, what did you both make of this military interrogation (laughs) because i yeah i appreciated the kind of setup and the twist on it but i don't know there was something about it that didn't quite 100 percent work for me emma do you want to kick us off with your thoughts yeah i don't know i just found it incredibly long and Mm. i just didn't i just didn't find it funny it was kind of like she was kind of trying a bit too hard. And I don't know if it was because the material wasn't particularly great. Like, I get what they were trying to do. It was like they couldn't get her to shut up and everything. And she just kept going and going and going. But I just, it just didn't tick. It just didn't work. I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't seem to sort of flow in any way. Um, I'm not quite sure how Mm. you could have like improved on it. And I don't know if it could have been like the delivery or the way she did it or... Like, obviously, they were getting exasperated because she just kept going. But it just, it it didn't quite work. It just it wasn't like a level that they hit. I, I don't think so. I think it was too vague to begin. Mm, yeah. Also, the bizarre kind of like shadow of somebody being taken off to be tortured. I was like, what is this? And then the two <laughs> Muppets come in. And what I think we needed was a clearer establishment from those two interrogating Muppets that... This is an interrogation. There wasn't a clear enough setup at the beginning to really get what was going on. And also maybe yeah, I like agree. I wanted like a gag in her mouth yeah. that maybe they pull out or something. But maybe, you know, considering she got whacked in the eye by one of them, like maybe they didn't want to get too close. <laughs> the only thing that really stood out for me, to be honest, was I was pretty certain that she wasn't using cue cards and that she had learned mm. all of that material. Oh, yeah, she definitely learned it. She I definitely was trying to clock it. her eyeline, and there was a few times where she was playing out, mm. but then there was a lot of times where she was turning from side to side, and I was like, oh, she has learned all this, so that's very impressive. But it's just, yeah, the actual structure of the sketch wasn't strong enough for me to get the joke. I think if you had just set it up a bit stronger in the beginning, all the material she had, I actually didn't mind. I thought it was quite funny and the escalation was quite fun. But because I wasn't sure where we were, my footing was a bit off. It's harder to laugh if you don't feel secure in the knowledge that the sketch is working. I agree with you, Lewis. I think the setup should have been a lot stronger. And I also wonder if actually there should have been more of a definite payoff at the end the little blue muppet did threaten her at one point and say we have ways of making you stop talking which was obviously mm. a fun reversal of ways of making you talk yeah. but then 
the Muppets could have brought out something, you know, and it could have been a silly torture device. Like there was a lot of tickling in this episode. It could have been like a giant feather to tickle yeah. her with or something as a way of like, you will stop or I don't know. But do you know what I mean? Like it just kind of yeah. escalated and she just kept talking and then they were getting exasperated and then it just ended. Mm. You know what they could have done? They could have fed her to Gorgon Heath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like in the Sherlock Holmes Oh God, sketch. don't bring him back. I, find it like it. It was all, I was already too thrown by the shadow puppet torture thing that started the sketch, let alone like Gorgon Deep coming from the like far distance to slowly eat Ruth Buzzy. I just, yeah, it, it, it just all didn't gel. I, I just, yeah, I think it was just a missed opportunity. Like it could have gelled much better than it, than it did even with the escalating absurdity as it was it could have had a better i suppose sort of casing mm, yeah to put it exactly in at the start and the end and that would have just set it off that much more i think okay somebody who didn't need any setting off was uh miss piggy who gave us her almost perfect first ever Hi-ya! of the season it was almost there it wasn't quite and i was like oh my god is it gonna happen it it kind of did and she got to beat him up a bit it was nice again to see some interplay between these muppets that we really like doing some character building comedy stuff it was great it was really nice to see piggy being piggy being in love with kermit going after an imposter Kermit in the way that only Piggy knows how, because despite being the love of her life, she can never work out that it's not Kermit, apparently. That she can still do it 40 years later in a theatrical version. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved this. I loved seeing Piggy. I noticed at the start when she was hiding by his door, did you clock that she was hiding under her cape so she could do a big entrance and sort of (laughs) present herself to him and be like, I'm here. I've been waiting for you, darling. And now I am here. And I didn't, but I love it. Yeah, it was amazing. It was I was going to so... say, yeah, you you need a cape for a good entrance. Yes. So she's got it covered. <laughs> she had it down. And yeah, I just loved, I loved how Mechanical Kermit was so kind of like Jack the Lad. The opposite in a lot of ways of Kermit's very kind of demure, always wanting to kind of temper Piggy's expectations, temper well her passion. Well-meaning virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Not that I want to presume. He's still got his virgin pin. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to know it's good for something. (laughs) Uh, Whereas, uh, you know, Robo Kermit is uh, offering, you know, Piggy the promise of figs. Oh, I know. When he said bouncy baby figs. so cute. cute. That was so cute. (laughs) But yeah, that that was really great. That just worked solid. And And I'm kind of looking forward to, I hope, from this point onwards, more interplay between Muppets. So then we go from that, which was brilliant, you know, and ends on the gag with the door and mechanical Kermit to going into the houses. And then there's like the whole gag of him saying his son is going to become a monastery. Like, what? <laughs> I th- Emma, I think calling that a gag is a real <laughs> a it's a compliment, stretch. Okay, frankly. Well, it wasn't to- a gag. It was like, it was a stretch. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was kind of disappointing because it was so good. And it got so bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt very, it just felt out of, out of place. And the joke was just terrible. I was like, ooh, interesting setup. I wonder what the, you know, I was trying to think hotel, religious, bellhop, or trying to think of like bells. I, I was trying to think of some sort of punchline. My little brain was like ticking over. It's like, no, he's thinking about becoming a monastery. <laughs> it's like, what? 
what did you just say terrace house <laughs> like as if that's like 20 seconds of my life i'm never gonna get back because i had to talk to like at least uh at least we got to meet gloria goodbody <laughs> in the panel <laughs> in that the panel hilarious. discussion why is every single thing about ruth buzzy about her body or her athleticism what an odd what an odd thing when she seems to be like a multi-hyphenate skilled performer. I don't know. It was just very strange. But her yoga was very impressive. I was I was in awe. I was like, God, I can only do a couple of those. And she was wearing a wig as well. I mean, come on. <laughs> what more could you want? What more could you ask for? I know it's like they it's like they took the uh, accent character bonanza that usually pops up in Newsflash and they put it into the panel sketch instead. I wasn't really sure where the panel was going when Kerma asked the question of is the human body obsolete? I was like, uh, what? That's not a that's not a yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I did think the same as well. I was like, okay, so what what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Okay, this is happening mm. now. <laughs> yeah, I wrote I wrote down the question in anticipation of being like, Oh well I can ask Emma again what <laughs> this panel show question so we could get Emma's panicked response. <laughs> and, uh, and I wrote down I went, Well that's not even a proper question. <laughs> oh, yeah, like what a, what a waste of my time. I mean, I get that it was obviously just a setup so that she could show us her bendy, <laughs> bendy flexibility. But yeah, I don't know. It was an odd, uh, an odd setup all round. I think. I mean, the only thing I can think of, and this is comparing it to when we said mm. they've obviously done accent work because they want <laughs> other jobs. Does she want an exercise video? Is that what she's aiming for? She wants to build an exercise video. Maybe Ruth Buzzy could have been Jane Fonda had somebody actually paid attention yes, to this episode. That's it, Jade. That's it. She could have been uh, absolutely. She wanted empire, to build a fitness you know, empire. Household name who just won a lifetime achievement award, Golden Globe, and instead of that, we're all like Ruth Buzzy. Yeah. Who's that? Oh, she screeches, Mum. Great. Okay. Wonderful. Get the buzz with Ruth Buzzy. Like you know, just. Uh... They could have been everything. They could have been t-shirts. <laughs> My favourite part of this sketch, though, was Sam the Eagle, I have to say. Yes. I loved how much he loved her and yeah. how sort of taken with her he was. And then that he wanted to show off his wing lifts or yeah. whatever he called them. <laughs> and the fact that even though he clearly fancied her, when it got to the bit where it cut to the camera angle where we were seeing Sam the Eagle through Ruth Buzzy's backbent legs and ass cheek just sort of sitting there i was really worried we were going to get into like a perverse sam the eagle kind of look but then it wasn't thank god he 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 maintained his moral standing as sam the eagle and particularly since talking about the body being obsolete i worried that he was going to be like well there's nothing obsolete about this body i mean i was i was really relieved it wasn't that so kudos sam the eagle for resisting the urges (laughs) unlike piggy and her friend on the other side of the panel whoever that guy was could not keep their trotters off one another i don't know (laughs) they were going for a sausage roll in the hay oh no (laughs) (laughs) still better than the house's sketch (laughs) and another great little button from kermit on the end of that sketch as well when And I had to rewind this to hear it because there was so much chaos. I didn't catch it the first time. But he said that next week they'd be talking about crowd control and riot suppression. (laughs) 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 
I know, I was trying to catch the end of that as well because I totally missed the the one with Rita Moreno of the Latin American uh, relations. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't hear it over the ruckus. I just want to give a little shout out to the Booth Rossi joke at the end from Mechanical oh, Kermit, should. which <laughs> did make me giggle. Booth Rossi. <laughs> Booth Rossi. Rossi. <laughs> and also, did you notice that Jim obviously had his hand kind of at a funny angle for Mechanical Kermit, especially at that end there? And Kermit's face was sort of lopsided, obviously, to signal to us that it wasn't real Kermit, that it was Mechanical Kermit. Just thought it was a clever little bit of puppetry. Genius. It was. Ge- absolute it was genius. The genius of Jim Henson. Mm. Jade, if you've got the mic, do you want to give us your uh, MVMP for the week? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I've just spoken about him, but I think Sam the Eagle, for me, is my MVMP mm-hmm. because I feel like it's the first episode where we've really seen him other than just being Wayne and Wanda's hype man, which he still was. But <laughs> he had uh, he had the little bit with Ruth before the bumpkins, um, which was quite, quite fun. And then the panel show, I thought he was really, really great. And I just, it was a lot of fun to see him still being Sam the Eagle and this upstanding moral citizen, but having that little bit of interaction and also just having a little bit of flirtatious fun with the guest host. You know, I certainly was not what I expected coming into the episode. So I went with Sam the Eagle and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him outside of Wayne and Wanda in the coming weeks and months. How about you, Emma? Who is your MVMP? I think this week it's going to be Sweetums. Yeah. I've kind of missed him. And you know what? I just think it was great. Him and Ruth's interaction in that whole song, kind of like playing off each other, like his reaction to her, like blowing him over and the chair. And I just think he he was great. And it was just nice to see him in like a bit of a different context this week. And I really liked their interplay. So yeah, I think for this week, my MV MVP is Sweetums. How about you, Lou? I am actually going to go with Animal for my MV MP this week. I just really enjoyed that we got a bit more of him, but we got him both with Electric Mayhem and sort of driving what I think was probably my favourite sketch of the entire episode, which came right up top with um, them singing Sunny. But then just the little button again, with Statler and Waldorf up in the balcony and actually just even from his appearance I just suddenly saw myself felt myself going oh yay animals back yeah. and just like <laughs> and so yeah just for the fact that he facilitated a great sketch at the beginning and then also facilitated a great button I'm gonna go with animal I think it might now be time for our ratings for the week I'm gonna reverse the order now Emma what do you want to give uh, this week's episode? I think for this episode, I'm going to give it six bouncing baby figs out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I really like that. I'm, I'm going to like just use that for a, a few more days, bouncing baby figs. I thought there were some really good parts in this episode. I thought Ruth was really game as a host and like getting involved. But I think from what we said especially with like the prison guard sketch I think she could have been given a little bit more time to grow and like develop those bits but then when she does too good to be true with sweetums that's really fun I love like the sunny opening bit with the band and also the mechanical Kermit Kermit Miss Piggy interplay throughout the episode as the runner I really enjoyed so yeah I think I'm going to give it a six and um, how about you Jay what, how did you feel about this week's episode? I think largely the same as you Emma but 
I was thinking about it in comparison to the other episodes, obviously, that we've seen so far. Mm. And for me, I think I'm going to give it a seven and I'm going to go seven booth Ruzzies. And I see Lewis is <sighs> pulling a face. And the re- <laughs> nah, look, I'm not going to start shouting. No, 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 no. But the reason I think this is because I gave Rita Moreno's episode a seven. And to me, actually, although Rita was amazing and there were some good sketches in it, there actually were a few things like the runner, which we didn't even talk about because we all didn't like it that much. Mm. And there were also some other sketches. I was looking back through my notes that I feel like actually to me, this this episode, the the energy that Booth Ruzzy, Booth Buzzy, <laughs> brought to the episode and the way that she was so game and the way that she kind of matched the Muppets and exactly like you've just said, Emma, there were a lot of things to really like about it. There was only a few things that I didn't, that I didn't get on with as well. So to me, actually, although it's for different reasons that I'm giving this a seven, but I feel like as an overall episode, it was actually pretty cohesive and I did thoroughly enjoy it. So I feel like to give her anything less is to maybe basically be saying that Rita's episode was kind of on slightly more of a pedestal. And Mm. I actually feel like there were some weaker parts of Rita's episode. Overall, the calibre of this episode was very good. So yeah, seven booth razzies. How about you, Lewis? Where are you? Where are you going? Now you've, you've, you, well, Jade, you've actually made me really think now because I think I was originally probably going to give this a five, like, which is, I think what I gave Jim yeah. neighbors. But now that you're sort of talking about it in comparison to Rita's episode, which for me, I'm still kind of holding as the benchmark. <sighs> because the thing is, all the sketches which that featured Rita herself, I yes. really, really enjoyed. And then maybe some of the other bits and bobs I didn't necessarily love so much. Conversely, in this episode, I wasn't hugely in love with the bits that Ruth Buzzy did. I liked them, but I didn't love them in the same way. I wasn't laughing in the same way I was with, like, you know, even just, like, French Tango from Rita Moreno's episode. But in terms of the offstage Muppet interplay, the character development, the funny sketch at the beginning. <sighs> I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot in the episode. There is. You're right. I've, I think I'm still going to hedge my bets a little and I'm going to give it six Dr. Teeth smiles to camera <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I think in terms of my own personal ranking... That's mm-hmm. where it's going to go. Like, so I, I did appreciate what this episode brought, but in terms of just simply as a viewer, I did still enjoy readers more. So I had to keep that on a higher level. Yeah, I think that's fair. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Jade, have you got some Muppet philosophy for us? I've gone with something that maybe isn't quite philosophy, more of a a discussion point. Not that I know this episode's probably already long enough, but I'm just curious to know what mm. you both think of this, especially in relation to... Ruth Buzzy and also coming off the back of the Joel Grey episode which obviously none of us enjoyed very much so again this is a quote from Jim Henson the biography by Brian J. Jones and a quote from Henson himself who said some guests relate to us more easily than others a person who is cool personally can play marvellously well with the Muppets and to me this speaks really clearly to how well Ruth Buzzy actually got on with the Muppets. And maybe when we've been a little bit disappointed by some guests who haven't actually, haven't seemed to enter their world in quite the same way. And I'm just curious what you both think, especially seeing as none of us know Ruth Buzzy and whether you think actually that 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 sense of just how she is as a person plays into 
what we get out of the episode and and the other episodes that we've had already. For me, what I like is when the Muppets can bring out a different aspect of the guest that they have. So it allows them to indulge in a silliness Mm -hmm. or indulge in a sort of Mickey taking of maybe their own persona or something. And while I can really appreciate Ruth Buzzy's energy... And I wonder, I'd actually really like to see her in something that isn't The Muppet Show to sort of see what her kind of performance style is. I found her almost like slightly too overwhelming in this. And I didn't get to see much like light and shade to what her performance was. Whereas I think with other guests we've had, we have seen moments where they're being a bit scared by the Muppets. And then they're a bit, oh, in love with the Muppets or they fancy the Muppets or they're being as silly as the Muppets or they're being seriouser than the Muppets. Whereas she, as you say, was madcap all the way through she was almost like a muppet Mm -hmm. but if you're like a muppet then you don't get that sort of um interplay really or that kind of um what's the word well there's no friction there's no no one's there's no kind of spark of people playing off or not people people exactly so that's um, i guess so that's yeah yeah, that's probably maybe also why i probably came away from this episode a a little bit colder than i might do uh yeah what do you think emma Hmm. yeah i think it's it's quite interesting i think I do think that's her personality, though. I do think, like, the way... Because I think every time we've seen someone and the way they've interacted with the Muppets and the way they've kind of played to their strengths, I think they are bringing their personality to the show. So Mm. I do think if we were to see her in something else, I think the way she acted and the way she kind of brought energy and was very slapstick and very comedic, I think that's her as a... I feel like that's her as a person. I suppose Ruth Buzzy can't help having a similar energy to the Muppets if she's on the Muppet show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair yeah, point. If exactly, yeah. So I think that's how I kind of feel about it, to be honest. Mm. But I think your point is totally true, Lewis, which is that the problem with the Joel Grey episode was mm. it didn't bring anything out of Joel Grey that we don't already know. That's true. And that we yeah. don't already expect of Joel Grey to bring to whatever it is that he's doing. Although it was maybe a slightly mm. disappointing performance overall, he's still a consummate performer and he just did that. You know, there, but there was nothing else to yeah, it. Yeah, whereas, you know, Rita Moreno, consummate performer, but she was funny, mm. she was serious, she was aggressive, she was sexy, like, and Joel Greg, I'm sure, could be all of those things as well. Well, he can be when he plays the MC. He's creepy and <laughs> mm. he's funny and he's a bit weird and like, no, it was just, hello, I'm Joel Grey. It's like, great, fantastic. <laughs> God's sake, bring something. <laughs> And on that note, thank you so much for listening to Muppetsational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We shall see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. <laughs>